Well, good morning and welcome back to um, what is our fifth week in our preaching series looking at the messages to the church found in Revelation. Let us just start with a word of prayer. Loving, gracious God, we just ask that you open our hearts, you open our minds, you open our very being to your Holy Spirit working within us to open our, open our eyes to see what you are telling us through these messages to us as individuals, us as a church, us as churches across the country and the world. Lord, we just ask that you be with us, that your Holy Spirit be opening our hearts and our minds right now. I pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so we've been running our series, looking at Revelation and just chapters 2 and 3, where there are the messages to the churches, seven churches in what is the area which we would call Turkey now. But each of these messages have a different distinct, distinct um, understanding and point that is being made. And we know as a message that is written within the Bible here, it is to those churches in particular, they are a revelation to them, a message to them, but it is also a message to us as individuals. Whenever we read um, Scripture found in the Bible, we know that God is speaking to those who first heard it, to those it was written to, but it's also speaking to us today as a church. And, and this is, and the, the thing about Revelation here is it also speaks into the church in the future. So we need to have ears to hear these messages and an open heart that is willing to understand what is speaking to us today. Um, over the last four weeks, we've, been, we've looked at the message from Ephesus, church to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergunum, and to Thyatira, and I love all these names. And, and a fantastic way of, you know, all, you know, they're just different place names um, and I love how we struggle with our pronunciations. But today we're looking at the church, the message of the church to Sardis. Now, in order for us to actually understand a little bit more for us, to get a little bit more nuance out of this message to the church at Sardis, we need to kind of understand a little bit of history of the city of Sardis and what it actually will help us understand for this message for us. So looking at this history of Sardis, well, we actually see that this city on more than one occasion, um, was actually um, invaded by armies. Invaded by armies because of their own complacency about their defences, about the city defences. Let me, let me just explain. The, the city of Sardis is actually built on a, um, a mountain spur. So it's a bit of the mountain coming down and it was actually sitting up there. And so they, and on either side, they've got these sheer walls coming up. And they, the people in the city felt that they was impenetrable. People couldn't climb up those side parts, those, the, up the city walls there. And, and so they just held the gates open and, and they could just see people. And, and when the invading armies, the first one, the Persians, in the 6th century BC actually came to um, invade them, they were so sure of themselves that nobody could climb up these sheer cliffs. Um, and and that they were camped down in the valley below them and they knew that their city gates and walls would be perfectly fine, except the Persian um, general 
actually sent a few people to climb up there and they actually found what in modern days we'd call a chimney if you're into rock climbing. It's a, it's a gap um, within the, the rock face and they were climbing up that. They actually used their knives to put it into the rocks and climbed up and then they had the ropes come up. And actually what happened was that they actually came into the city and the city was completely undefended. It, you know, they, they didn't even have people at the gates or anywhere. They were just sleeping and waiting in the middle of the night. They just felt that we were safe. Their complacency got the better of them. And so what happened is that these people that came in over the walls, climbed up the walls, came into the city, just went down, opened the front gates, and the army walked in and took over. Now, you'd think um, a city that would actually learn from that, but that four, go 400 years um, on in their history, and exactly the same thing happened. They became complacent about their own defences and they were taken over again by an invading army. Not only that, but this city was also quite wealthy. Um, and, and often what you would find in, in each of these cities, because, because they're the city, because they've got resources around them, and, and for Sardis, they actually had gold within the river that ran near there. Um, and so they actually were able to make um, a lot of money out of that, out, about, out of the gold. And so the city was quite rich. So when earthquakes came, they could use their money that they had through the gold and everything else just to rebuild. And people didn't go without anything. It was nice and comfortable for them. It was actually really kind of, you know, they, they were complacent in so many different ways that they didn't even have to um, put in effort to rebuild the city. They were ruined by earthquakes. It, until finally, what happens in... in in 1402, Sardis is actually um, completely destroyed. Um, all the people were annihilated and killed because of their lax behaviour, because of um, basically their complacency. So this is where this letter to Sardis, the church in Sardis, is actually being written. It's, it's being written to a city, and the church is taking up what the city has taken hold of, and that's complacency in their own lives. And the church there has taken hold of that complacency for themselves. So let's just hear again um, what, what is written in Revelation, and, and we'll explore a bit of that as we go along. So write this letter to the angel in the church in Sardis. This is the message from the one who is the sevenfold spirit of God and the seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. And I love that statement. It is a call for us. Wake up. Strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly and as unexpectedly as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will, wa they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white, and I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels 
that they are mine. Anyone with ears to hear must listen and the Spirit, listen to the Spirit and understand what is being said to the church. Powerful, powerful message to the church. And if we take it for a powerful message for us, this is a really powerful message that we need to understand. A complacent church is a church that is dead on the inside. It may look alive from the outside, but it's dead on the inside. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. I'm not talking about um, what, you know, what that infrastructure is. I'm talking about how people have lost their way, have not got the Holy Spirit working within them. Let me, let me explain a bit. You know, a church, and this is a full of people, a church full of people, they may be running all their programs and that you, might, you might be having people come and you, know, you might actually be getting numbers growing but you can be dead on the inside. They might be having programs running, they might be worshipping happening, uh, they might have a fantastic social justice campaign happening in the community but they are dead on the inside. They don't have the Holy Spirit within them. And this is why it's so important for us to actually understand when, when the description of Jesus is given and to each of these churches, there's a little, there's a hint in the way Jesus described is what he holds. And here we have Jesus um, is the one who has the sevenfold spirit and this, of God and the seven stars. And, and, and this is almost universally interpreted as, as actually... Jesus Christ, the risen Lord Jesus Christ, um, being able to send and pour out the Holy Spirit wherever Jesus wants to send out the Holy Spirit. And in effect, what Jesus is saying to this church in Sardis and to us is that I dispense the life of God upon those, but you are as good as dead. This is powerful stuff for us to hear. See, Jesus is the holder of life. Jesus is the lifeblood of the church Jesus sends the Holy Spirit upon the disciples that we know from Acts, but continues to send the Holy Spirit for us to take upon ourselves, for, to work within us. So the question that we have here is what are the signs of complacency that sit within a church that means that we are not doing so well, that we have fallen short of what God has for us. This is the first one. The first sign of complacency within a church is this, is that we often depend on traditions. Now, traditions are more than just um, wearing of robes or not a wearing of robes. It's more than saying the ancient creeds of the church or singing hymns. You can have traditions of the church and be using the latest technology, using the, the newest music. You can have a pumping rock band for your church. It doesn't matter. You may have traditions there that are holding you back and you are relying upon those traditions. You are depending upon those traditions. What I want to say is tradition is not bad. But here, when we depend on our tradition, is an attitude that says all the work has been done previously. All the work has happened and I don't need to do anything. 
Think of the city of Sardis that has built their defences around walls that are sheer come up but have got cracks in them. They put their walls on top of that and people just climbed up them, got in and took over. They thought they'd done all the work and they could sit back and relax. When we depend on our traditions in such a way that basically says, I don't need to do anything. I don't need God to be working right now. I don't need the Holy Spirit in my life. That is depending on traditions. That's actually saying, well, actually, the only good songs that we ever sing are actually proper hymns. That's depending on tradition. It's saying that God's Spirit is not working within anything new. Holy Spirit is not pushing musicians to write new things that create worship for us. That's an attitude of looking back into the past. Depends, depending on tradition means that we don't seek the movement of the Holy Spirit in new ways, in new forms, within our lives, within the church. I'm hearing a little woohoo from Kerry over here, so <laughs> she's trying to be quiet here, so but that's okay. <laughs> The second thing that we know that we've, you know, fallen into complacency is this. We actually rely on our accumulated wealth. The city of Sardis had wealth. They had all this gold that they'd mined from the river, from the sands of the river, and they had wealth. And they, they didn't need to struggle or strive for anything. They they could do what they wanted. They could rebuild when they needed. They could build temples. They could do all these things. And the church at Sardis had the same issues. This church at Sardis was, was not a church that was under um, persecution, was not a church that was under threats of, you know, you've got to worship in this particular way. They were left free to do what they, they needed to do. Their issue was they became complacent. And they complain, you know, and here it is for our modern church, for us. And I want to speak into our church as well. When we rely on our accumulated wealth, now I want to say this it is good to have good financial sense, it is good to have good financial reserves, it is good to spend wisely. But when we rely upon our accumulated wealth for the churches, that's the only thing that we can do, we give up the notion of giving sacrificially from ourselves. We actually don't invest in our ministry. We don't invest in what happens. We don't actually get a part of what's going on because the church can pay for that. We've got all of the money in the world. We do it. We can pay for somebody. We can do this. When we don't give sacrificially, we actually lose out. We actually don't. God's not challenging us to step up and do. We're dead on the inside. The outside may go, yeah, we've got great programs, we've got great things, but we're dead on the insides because people aren't committed to it. People aren't giving to make things happen. Relying on our accumulated wealth means that we become complacent. And I want to say this. Our churches across Australia, we are wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. We have so much resources. We have so much property. We have more than you could possibly imagine. And yet we rely on that to make ministry happen rather than giving.
have we become complacent within our church? I'd say yes. The third thing that I want to kind of highlight for us as a, a sign of our complacency as a church is that we don't pursue spiritual growth. See, spiritual growth is a mark of, of, of pursuing God with all of our heart, with all our soul and all of our mind, you know, and, and, and and we pray, you know, we need to be able to pray. We need to be able to read the Bible. We need to be able to desire fellowship with um, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So, with, And we need to desire fellowship with God. If we don't have these things as central of who we are as individuals, as central as who we are as a church, then we have become complacent. We have become dead on the inside and we are whitewashed tombs. Jesus said this of the Pharisees. You are like whitewashed tombs. You look pretty on the outside, but you've got death in the middle. We don't want that as a church. We don't want that as believers. That is not what we want because we become that way when we become complacent. The fourth thing is here. We become more comfortable with the culture that we live in. This is a sign of complacency. We become really comfortable with the culture that we live in. For the, the church at Sardis, they became really comfortable with the attitudes and the behaviours of the city around them. They let their guard down. They didn't have to worry. They didn't have to strive. They didn't have to struggle. They adopted what was going on we became comfortable with the culture around us. As disciples, Jesus calls us to live in the world but be not of the world. That means that when we have become more influenced by political parties, by social campaigns, by lifestyles, then we have lost the influence of God upon our lives. They become more important for us to look the part and play the part of what society says that we need to be than actually living for God. When we live for this world, we have become complacent in our faith. When we live for this world and not strive for the kingdom of God to become apparent in us, we have lost so much. We need to be striving for the kingdom of God to be made manifest in this world. So it means that we can't be complacent. We have to do. We have to challenge. We need to step up and not just absorb and become the same as everybody else. It's a sign of complacency for us. And the fifth sign that we have, and I'm only going to do five um, today, is this. We are quick to make excuses. We are quick to make excuses. We're complacent when, when we make excuses for the reason why we're not growing. We make excuses for when we're not trying anything new. We make excuses for why things possibly couldn't work. We can't do that because we tried it before or, you know, we are very quick at making excuses. It's about being complacent because 
We don't want to strive. We don't want to change. The status quo is what we want. When we make excuses to maintain the status quo of what has always been, what continues to be, then we are complacent because we are not relying upon God to do new things. We're not relying upon God's strength to challenge us, to step out into faith, to do amazing stuff. See, God wants us to step out into faith. God wants us to let the Holy Spirit work within us to do amazing stuff and powerful things. God wants us to have the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom, to give us endurance so that we can do the will of God within the world. Making excuses is actually a sign of accepting the reality that we live in rather than letting God change and challenge us. We become complacent. This message to the church in Sardis, as I've been reading through these and I've been praying through these, and here's the thing. A number of months I was reading through um, these passages and it kept on speaking to me, this is the message that needs to be heard for the church, for our church and for the church bigger and broader around us. We need to hear these messages because so often we get wrapped up in our own little ways of doing things, our own little bubble of wonderful things. This is a warning to the church, a warning not to become complacent. complacent. Repent and turn back towards Jesus Christ. Seek revival. This is a call to be revived. When you are dying on the inside, you need to have life brought back. Revival. You know, when somebody has had a heart attack, they revive them again. They kickstart that again. This is what we need for the church. Revival to be kickstart back to life with the Holy Spirit as giving us the power to do these things. Not to have whitewashed tombs, but revival. Become growing and alive to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. We need to wake up, my fellow sisters and brothers, shake off complacency. And let us once again turn back to what we first knew. That Jesus Christ died for the forgiveness of sins. And that you are forgiven in the name of Jesus. I am praying for the church to be ignited on fire again. I think so. Here we go. Oh, we got back here. Let me just finish up. I am praying for the church to be ignited on fire. On fire for the Lord. I'm praying for revival in our church. I'm praying for revival within the Uniting Church. I pray for revival in the church in Australia and across the world.
I am praying today that the Holy Spirit will kickstart our heart once again. That we won't be like a corpse. That we will have that power once again. Pray with me right now. Lord God, I repent of being complacent, of of not following Your ways, Your wills, of making excuses, putting things in front of You, of being comfortable and letting everything slide. Lord, challenge us today that we may know with truth and honesty that you are guiding us, that you are leading us. May your Holy Spirit be a May your Holy Spirit guide us and lead us. May your Holy Spirit be so much more for us than we could ever have imagined. May your gifts, gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit be made manifest upon your people here. May there be power. May there be words. May there be healings, may there be signs. May your Holy Spirit just lead us into life once again. Lord, I just pray this in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to come back and further state of prayer as we pray.